0: You're listening to WEHC 90.7 FM and this is Art Speaks, a program presented by the William King Museum of Art. I'm Laken Bridges, Director of Higher Education, and will be the host for this episode. For those of you who are unfamiliar, WKMA is an art and culture museum in Abingdon, Virginia. You can learn more about everything we do at williamkingmuseum.org. So before we get into today's episode, I want to make a few announcements about the museum. First of all, I want to let you know about the long rifle exhibition, which is now open at the museum. This exhibit showcases more than three dozen long rifles from the 18th and 19th centuries that have never been assembled in the same exhibition. And when you see these rifles, it's it's really amazing. You'll notice the impressive detailing and design. Um, So during the 1700s and 1800s, the long rifle was the highest expression of the gunmaker's art in this country. So be sure that you come by and see the show. Uh, It's really a beautiful setup, and um, you'll just be uh, blown away, pun intended, uh, by this uh, beautiful work in these um, long rifles. I also want to give you a reminder that summer camps are now live on our website. Themes for children include traditional handmakers, natural explorers, historic Abingdon, ancient artists, and global architecture. And the topics for teens are drones, graphic design, ceramics, printmaking, stop motion, and anime. And you can learn more about these camp themes on our website. And now for today's show. Today I'm here with designer Stephen Kurd, and we are talking about his clothing company, Lavelle Manufacturing. Hi, Stephen. Hello. How are you today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh,
0: so, Lavelle Manufacturing, you all just joined us at Art Lab at the museum. Uh, you moved in March 1st. Yes. So you're you're new with us. <laughs> I was so excited when you approached me to find out about studio space. Um, I don't know if I've told you this, but when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with fashion and wanted to be a designer. <laughs> um, <laughs> When I was in probably elementary school, my first creative project was: uh, I took a a pink crew sock, <laughs> very '90s, and uh, stitched sequins all over it, and I yes. made <laughs> I made a very fashionable sheath dress for my Barbie. <laughs> that is
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> Um, so I was really excited when when you wanted to join us, Aww. even though I don't make Barbie clothes out of socks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we should reinvent that maybe so. Um, so you just joined us in March, and you had your grand opening. Yes. Uh, so how did that go?
1: It was great. We had a big turnout, um you know, despite having three different seasons in one day. <laughs> um but we had about eighty people come to the event, which was which was really awesome
0: that is awesome. Yeah, I, I came in twice and every time I stuck my head in there to to schmooze a little bit, it was just so busy and it was really exciting. It was just the energy was was fantastic yes. and there were a lot of very well-dressed people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was. People showed up. I loved it. Definitely.
0: Um so, you
1: were in Glade Spring before this. Mm-hmm. Um how long were you working in Glade Spring? I moved here uh, in 2014 from Illinois from Chicago. So I started at um, what used to be the Town Square Center for the Arts in Glade Spring. It was kind of a small artist cooperative, collaborative, and it's now out of business. So I was there. I've I've been in Glade since 2014. So you were there for a fair amount of time. Yeah, seven years. Yeah. Almost eight years. For the first part of that, for the first three years, we were a part of the Town Square Center for the Arts Collaborative. And then um, in 2016, early 2017, we moved into our first brick and mortar, which was two doors down, and um, started Lavelle Manufacturing. So we've been there. We decided to move to Abingdon. We made the big move, uh, like Lakin said, March 1st. So you said you started Lavelle Manufacturing.
0: Before that, did you have a different company name? Yes.
1: There's a couple different labels underneath our Lavelle umbrella. And um, we've got you know accessories and leather goods, but I also do custom clothing, which we're kind of getting away from to make the products more accessible. But I've got I've started in 20, 2008 Garrick Stevens, which is my high-end custom clothing. So
0: let's see if I get the terminology right. Lavelle is your company and Garrick Stevens would be your brand yes. within that company.
1: Yeah. There's okay. a couple of brands underneath it. Lavelle is the Lavelle is our denim and, and like our handbags and stuff like that, which we launched specifically in this area to make a cool product that was accessible, that was like American made, that was um, locally sourced, as 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 local as we could get it. And of course, you know, over the last six years, it's changed quite a bit. And now we're at a point where we're wanting to make it more accessible. But yeah, Garrick Stevens was the original you know, most designers go by their first name. My first name is Steven, but my middle name is Craig. So it was a mix of those two. And when I started designing in 2008, that was my that was my label that I went under.
0: I like the way you came up with that name. <laughs> uh, so I was in your shop uh, the other day, and I was looking at these bags that you mentioned. And for our listeners who have not seen your designs you need to find these designs, come by the museum, come by um, Lavelle and check these out because these bags are incredible. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your process. You you said, you told me the other day that these are coated. So they're, they're like weather, weatherproof, so to speak. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're, they're a waxed canvas, which is not a new, it's not a new type of fabric. Um, it's actually been used for many years in the farming community because it's weather resistant and, you know, it kind of keeps it kind of keeps your clothing from getting wet. Um, so, you know, we kind of took a really cool fabric and made it accessible. We made it more sustainable so that like, you know, a lot of people want to purchase something that they can get a lot of use out of. And for those of you who know Lavelle, we are about the the details and the quality. Um, but we wanted to create a backpack. We've got a couple different styles. We've got a backpack, we've got a shoulder bag, we've got a purse and we're working on a couple other styles, but this way, you know, if you're out and about, it's it's a bag that's meant to be worn. So the backpack is, everything is all weatherproof. Um, so it can get wet. It's stain resistant. You you know, little touches here and there. But, yeah, we kind of, we really wanted to to focus on something that people could actually use. And they will. <laughs> and they will. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to get one for myself. They're,
0: they're super cool. Awesome design, which is of course, characteristic of all your work, but definitely these bags are a must-see. So if you haven't seen uh, these bags, please check them out. So, Steve, tell me, how did you get into the work that you're doing? Have you always wanted to do what you're doing?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I. Not a lot of people know this, but um, I have a radiology degree, So I have an associate's in radiology, which would mean absolutely nothing today. I would have to go back to school completely. But I originally wanted to go into the medical field um, to be a radiologist. And that just didn't work out for me, which I'm very grateful for. But the the creativity, the creative aspect of my career in my life started as a young kid. And for the people who know Lavelle and the people that don't know Lavelle, the company is actually based after my grandmother. So the Lavelle name is a family name. It was actually her middle name. Her name was Eva Lavelle. And that's my dad's mom. Super creative person. Just such a cool, cool, cool person. But that creative aspect, she passed it down to my dad, to my brothers, to me. And it started as a young kid just sewing doll clothes, actually. <laughs> so learning how to construct and, and um, kind of starting from just a creative, you know, creative level.
0: I love that. I I read in your, your statement on your website that Lavelle is who who taught you to sew or to darn a sock. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah. She taught us all. She wanted the boys in the family to learn how to, you know, if you're going to go out into the world, if you have a button that pops off of your pants or whatever, you know, instead of throwing it away, learn how to sew it back on and use it again.
0: Okay, so I told you about my one of my earliest creative projects, <laughs> the infamous sock dress. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, do you remember some of your early creative projects, and would you deem them successful? <laughs> oh, Lord.
1: Um, they, I definitely look at it as just a journey. Um, doll clothes as a young kid, you know, and they I look at them now because I have a couple of them. Actually, when I opened Lavelle, my aunt sent me a small box that my grandma had saved and was like, had a note, you know, typed up in there because, you know, that's how people did it back then. And it said, give this to him when he's ready for it. And she gave it to me at my first store opening, which, of course, cried my eyes out. And I didn't even know that that thing still existed. So I have it. I'm I'm wanting to, you know, make kind of a little memorial out of it. But I look at it. I'm like, wow, this is horrible. But it was... The creative aspect was there, you know, the creativity was there. So I see it as at a young age, which is pretty cool. And especially when I didn't, I didn't think that I would go into a career of art, even though my dad was a graphic designer for Boeing for 30 years. So looking at that first project and then like when I transitioned from being a radiology student to being an art student to going into fashion design, I've always loved clothing just like you. And I've always like, I liked the idea of designing something of my own, but I didn't know how to do that. So what I did was I flipped vintage, which has come back around. You hear a lot of people like kind of reusing vintage and upcycling it, which I think is amazing. And that's really how I learned how to, how to construct and be creative. You know, I would top stitch little things on it, sew sequins on stuff and like, you know, make it mine. And so that's kind of how I got into the process. And then now I look at the stuff that I do now and I'm like, wow, thank goodness I've gotten better at sewing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine with my very limited experience <laughs> in sewing, <laughs> um, I would imagine that working with denim especially demands precision oh and a, a high technical
1: expertise. Yes. I studied it for about five years before I ever touched my first pair of jeans Oh, wow. And yeah, I, and I worked in high-end. I worked in, when I lived in Chicago, um, I did a lot of personal styling, and I worked for Bloomingdale's, and I was a brand rep for their denim collection there. So I, I just flipped things inside out and looked at how they were made, and then, you know, I just went through that creative process of taking things apart and, and just learning how to put it back together. But yeah, it's definitely, it's not something that you can just whip up. I'm pretty fast at it now, though, but... <laughs> <laughs> How fast are you? <laughs> I can do a pair of jeans in probably about an hour and a half, 2 hours. I would still be cutting a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not cutting the pattern. Let's say that I do I take a full day and cut out, you know, as many pairs as I need to for clients and then and then the next day is construction.
0: So I was a uh... Uh, stalking you on your Facebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what we do nowadays. It's uh, research, research. Uh-huh. And uh, I was watching a video that you posted. You were um, constructing a tote. Yep. And you mentioned vintage fabrics. Do you focus on vintage fabrics and where do you source them or how do you source them?
1: I do. Um, I I think, you know, kind of the backbone of Lavelle and even Garrick Stevens has this vintage feel. And I like to source things that, you know, textiles from, you know, chair material and like upholstery stuff. And and I collect all over. So I've, you know, anytime I travel, I collect, I I bring a separate suitcase (laughs) to bring home fabrics. And I'm a huge collector of fabrics. But um, yeah, I love to upcycle vintage things that were once something that can have new life instead of purchasing new things. Do
0: you have a favorite find that just blew you away? Or you couldn't believe you found this <laughs> treasure? And and what did you turn it into?
1: Um, I am a sucker for, like, different types of leathers. So, um, and we do, like, a lot of leather goods in the shop, too. We mix textiles. Like, we'll mix an upholstery with a leather piece. But I can't think of one in particular, but I do, like, I will spend some money on some, like, like leather that has like a cool like topical like print on it or stuff that you just can't find anywhere else. Um, And I've got a couple hiding places that I like to shop at that I won't share with anybody else. (laughs) But I will spend some money on some good leather.
0: Okay. So Steve, one artist to another. Uh, How do you deal with
1: creative blocks? Lord, I've been in one for the last year and a half. So, um, and we were focusing on, on transitioning into a new space. So, you know, be careful what you ask for in the universe. It will provide, it may not give you much time, but it will provide. So dealing with creative blocks, you know, my creative process starts all over the place. It it can start with music. It can start with travel, which luckily this year we'll be able to do a little bit more, but that's kind of how I reset. I reset by just immersing myself in culture, immersing myself with good music and good people and being at the, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be at the art lab is, you know, working with so many different artists to like help through that, that creative block, like being able to work with, you know, and collaborate with other people to push yourself to the next level and maybe do some things that I've never done before. So you talk about immersing
0: yourself in culture as a reset. Do you have specific designers or, yeah, do you have specific designers that you pull from, from history or current that you take as inspiration?
1: I definitely do. Absolutely. My, Mm -hmm. um, when I was in my senior year doing my, I guess my like senior collection or thesis or whatever, I was, uh the only one who wanted to do menswear in, in my class, my graduating class, which was 35 of us. So they didn't teach us menswear. They taught us just women's wear and construction. So it was an independent study. And so I did my research and I, I, I looked to, to find, you know, menswear designers and stuff like that. And I, I fell upon a designer um, who actually just passed away this last year, Pierre Cardin, and um, who's fantastic. He was known for futurism and, um, just really kind of funky, just cool styles that you wouldn't see. He was actually a creator of different uh, textile manipulation techniques, which we see a lot of today. So if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have these ideas of futurism in the creative world, in the in the design world. But yeah, so I'm I'm constantly inspired by him. Construction. I mean, he was an impeccable tailor, and just the he he used so many different. Color schemes and stuff that you would, you know, he put metal with le- with leather with softer fabrics. I mean, he just was such a cool guy. So yes, I'm definitely inspired by him. Um, I love Marc Jacobs. I think he's he does a really he does really well at like upcycling vintage kind of ideas. So he always has like really cool things um, like Vivian Westwood. Who are some of the other ones? I love Anna Sui. Just I like. I think maybe why I like those people is because they're so funky. They have such a cool style and it like it translates from like how they dress to like it signifies them as a person. Like it's it's a I guess they design things that make that look like them, like that they would wear. And I feel like I do that as well. So probably because I'm inspired by them. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree with
0: that, looking at your work. Um, yeah, Vivian Westwood is a favorite for me, too. And I remember as a younger teen, uh, like, just randomly flipping through Vogue. And the first time I saw, <laughs> I think it was a shoe collection, <laughs> I was just blown away. And the thing I love about fashion is just that it can transport you, but yep. it, you really do feel transformed inside out. With the right piece.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a creative expression. Like, you can be walking art, which I love.
0: Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to circle back to that bag, I'm about to be walking art. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Absolutely. And as a reminder, you're listening to WEHC 90.7 FM, and this is Art Speaks. And today I'm talking to Stephen Kurd, and we're learning more about... Stephen's design experience and his work in uh, his business, Lavelle Manufacturing. So, Stephen, while I was doing my research on you and Lavelle, I was also looking at YouTube video that you posted. And I think it was a 2021 fashion show at Knoxville Botanical Gardens. Yeah. And I know that in the past you've also had a fashion show at the museum. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how do you go about coordinating a fashion show and what all is involved in that process what th- what types of venues do you look for
1: um that's a good question I like to do I guess it just depends on the mood of the show you know we've done I've done fashion shows since 2010 so I do two a year and I did them in Chicago and then I when I moved here I started doing them you know two times a year here so Um, That whole process is kind of like the creative process putting together the collection. You know, for me, it starts with putting together a soundtrack for what the collection will look like. And I look and I listen to that for like six months while I design the collection. And then by the time like the collection's done, I hate that whole soundtrack. (laughs) But it like it kind of like helps me get into the zone. So I kind of think about it how it will reflect with the whole feel. And maybe most people don't even realize it. They don't even notice it. But to me, that's the whole creative process. It's like putting together an exhibit. Um, And that's kind of how I look at my fashion shows. This is my exhibit Um, because I get to do what I want. But each season I like to kind of up myself and I like to try it like, you know, like places that people wouldn't think you would do a fashion show at like the Botanical Gardens, which is absolutely gorgeous. If you've never been there, it's it's beautiful. It's kind of in a weird part of Knoxville, but it was really cool. The museum was fantastic to do a fashion show at. I think we had like 115 people show up to that show. It was crazy. But I, like, I do like to kind of push the envelope and I like to do it in places that are inspiring and so that other people who are coming to the show could be like, wow, I think I could do like an event here. I think it would be really cool to like do something. I'm all about like cross marketing. <laughs> I like to market for myself and also for the people who we're doing the event with.
0: Is there, um, is there a location that you would just, you just dream about showing in?
1: You know, we were going to, right before COVID hit, we were going to do, we, had, we were planning it. We had already had, like, the vendors. We had already had the event set to do it up on the top, the rooftop of the Bristol Hotel. And that would have been an incredible fashion show. But then COVID hit, so we had to cancel it. Where would be, you know, my first show that I showed um, when I was in New York, I showed for Fashion Week in New York in 2013. We did it on the rooftop of the Empire Hotel which was pretty amazing. Um, And then I was like, I can't afford this. So I can't, we can't do it again next year. I think it was like 20 grand. (laughs) Luckily I had some really cool people that paid for it and, you know, but it was not sustainable. So um, where else would I like to do it? I don't know. I love that like designers do it at these like crazy places, like, like a library or, um, like YSL does it like at, at the, um, they do it at the, what is the big tower and Paris, I always forget it. Uh, Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Oh. <laughs> my brain's not working. They <laughs> did. They do it at the Eiffel Tower. They do it like crazy places. So I like. I like to set the mood. Is how we did it. Um, one year it was a couple years back. I think it was 2017 or 2018. We did a show at the um, Barns at Chipbridge, and if you haven't been out there, it's incredible. They have a beautiful barn with French doors all around the whole building, and it's just. We did it at twilight. It was incredible. I mean, it was a whole mood, but yeah, I just like to do it at places that kind of set the tone for people.
0: I love that. My, um, again, limited experience in that fashion. (laughs) Uh, You know, when I hear a runway or a show, I just think of a runway constructed in a room or in in a warehouse or whatever. And the way that you describe setting the scene uh, really fits, I mean. I would, you sell more yes. when people see their clothes out in the world. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: We did it at, um, well, during COVID, we started doing these virtual fashion shows, which you which you referenced our 21, 2021 show. But our 2020 fall show, we did it at um, Sugar Hollow Park, which is up in near Bristol, exit seven. And it was in the woods. It was in that pine wooded area. And it was so cool. And it was, you know, we just did, it was two models and the photographer and the videographer. And that was it. We didn't actually have an audience. But we made the fashion show more accessible for people to see it, which we don't normally get to do. But that was a cool show. That was that was a lot of fun just to be surrounded in nature. And it had this really, like, eerie, dark, kind of spooky feel to it. So to me, I was like my little brain, my, like, artistic brain was like, yes! <laughs> it was so cool. But That sounds awesome. I wish I could have seen that. It was
0: cool. <laughs> um, so... Let me backtrack a little bit. You were talking about um, when you're building your collection, you're planning for a show. You're listening to soundtracks. You're kind of curating a soundtrack. So I hear you play your music a lot in your studio. Sorry about that. Uh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have similar tastes. Is there like a song that you've been listening to
1: quite a bit lately that might influence a future show? Well, if you haven't heard the new Florence and Machine, her album is incredible. Yes. So I've been listening to King like on nonstop. It's so good. I do, I do fall into like that like repetition with with some artists. Um, Rainbow Kitten Surprise also is like on repeat for me mm-hmm. right now. Incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I there like during the season, I listen to Spotify, I listen to a couple different couple different stations. Um, So I like, I like to be influenced by stuff that I have never heard. And then if I like something or the vibe of something, I will put together a playlist myself. So I'll like save that. And then like, I slowly, it's kind of weird because I never, it's never intentional. It's just, I like this. And then by the time I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, let me put that song first. And like, let me move some things around. And for some reason it works out that it it kind of follows the collection, like how things change in the collection. Colors, shapes, different things, different moods. I love it. Yeah. it's, it's kind of speaks to
0: synesthesia or something in a way. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, so yeah. tell me, what is something that you never expected to deal with or that has surprised you about working in design and in fashion?
1: I would say just working with, people of all demographics has been such a huge learning experience for me. I don't know if I I really thought hard enough or long enough about working one-on-one with custom clothing and customers. And I think that what I have learned over the last, you know, eight years working one-on-one with my hands and with the public is that I've learned to say no to certain things And, you know, for a lot of people out there who like young artists who are wanting to, you know, do something like this or sell your art, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to know what you're worth and to like put a price on that. And it's something that I wish my 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 older self now could have told my younger self, like, you know, don't give it away. (laughs) <laughs> but you have to get your feet wet and and learn, you know, that that important experience of saying no to certain people because there are just a lot of people that just don't get it out there. And they want a product. We're so used to, like, disposable things, like our disposable garments and our disposable everything in this world that my niche of design is not for everybody. And so um, when, you, when I learned that, I learned – what my worth was as a designer and then I could say no to people absolutely <laughs> I love that
0: uh, yeah this is not fast fashion nope. this is art it's an investment and the work has been put into it so absolutely <laughs> um,
1: so where can our listeners find you Steve we are online at www.lavell l-a-v-e-l-l-e We've got all of our products up there that we sell in the store. We do jewelry, leather goods. We do custom clothing, but you have to come into the store for that. But you can also find us at Art Lab at the William King Museum and at one of our many trade shows that we'll be at this year. We think we've got seven on the books. And we usually do Mistletoe Market, too. So that's where you can find us.
0: And Facebook and Instagram. And Facebook and Instagram and
1: TikTok, (laughs) which, you know, my old... old, I'm not a a social media person, (laughs) but we're learning. You can find us on those. I will be following you on TikTok. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming in today, Stephen. Thank you so much.